What do creative people living in the Florida Keys, like us, who have full-time jobs in order to pay bills, what do you do in your free time to exercise and use your creative brain and feed your creative soul? That's the question, and this podcast will provide answers. My name is Nancy Truesdale. Welcome to Creatives in the Keys. This is Nancy Truesdale with Creatives in the Keys, and I have the benefit today of being with Mike Ashcraft, an amazing wood carver. He's at mile marker 59, Grassy Key. Hard to miss him, Oceanside, gorgeous wood carvings. And I'm here today to find out how it all happened. Welcome, Mike. Hey, how are you today, Nancy? Thank you for having me here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. What a gorgeous setting. How did you wind up here? Oh, well, I've been carving a little over 20 years. Um, I started in Vero Beach, Fort Pierce area, and kind of wore those areas out after 10 or 12 years and moved down to the Keys because here we have more volume of people, you know, more volume of everything, basically. How did you learn your craft? Like, did you just wake up one day and pick up a chainsaw? Like, how does that happen? I saw a guy doing it. I was working construction, and uh, prior to that, I was a lifeguard for many, many years. And uh, there was just no future in the construction, so I wasn't happy, but you know, it was something that we have to do. And then uh, I saw a guy carving one day, and I thought to myself, well, I, I kind of understood it, and I'm like, I can do that. And um, actually, it's a real short, quick sure. story. Uh, Go for it. Um, my ex-wife, the mother of all my children, um, we had a, a rough relationship. And uh, at the time, I wasn't living with her or my kids when... I saw this and, and decided that I could, would start carving, so I bought a washer and a dryer and a chainsaw, and I got back into the house, ha! and I started carving there. Ha, man, with a plan. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But uh, had you had any exposure to art or sculpture or anything prior to like the, the light bulb moment with the, with the chainsaw? No, just my mother always saying I was talented. Yeah. Faith. Faith in your talent. Yes. So tell me what it was like when you first started out. Like, what did you carve? What was your image? Like, what was the process? I had a friend of mine that uh, was at, had, I started carving at the same time I did. And uh, actually, he started probably about five hours before me. <laughs> <laughs> and so he showed me what he was doing. And then he goes, and that's how you do that. And now go. Go do your thing. And that's what I did. And What did you start carving? What were your uh, images? My first piece was a pelican, but it was more like a pella chicken. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. But I wish I still had it today, but we sold it. (laughs) Were you inspired by um, the Florida nature and what was around you? Not really. I was looking for a, uh, you know, a way to make an income that I enjoyed and understood and, and could see a future in. So from the get-go, were you pretty much carving what people would buy? I would carve anything you wanted, and I still do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. When you're carving for you, like when you're carving to please yourself, what do you like to carve? Um, it depends. I mean, it's what I. Sometimes I'll look at a piece of wood, and you, there's just you just see what's in it. Sure. And uh, you know, it's when you're inspired to carve. It's you know, I can carve pelicans. I have to carve pelicans and manatees, porpoises, and turtles, and all the. Bread and butter stuff. Marine life. Yeah, marine life. In the Keys, you know, prior to moving to the Keys, I carved everything. You know, giraffes, monkeys, elephants, sure. anything you wanted. Down here is primarily saltwater sea life. You know, 
salty stuff. And then, uh, what was the question? What do I like to carve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then nothing in particular. I just kind of, if I see it, you know, then I, once I see it, it's, I just go at it and have fun with it. You know. I like what you said about whatever the wood inspires. Talk to me about that. How does the wood speak to you and how does it inspire a carving? Well, it doesn't always speak to you right away or to me. I've had pieces that I've tripped over for years <laughs> and then stood them up and looked at it and go, that's a giraffe and carve it in four hours and it's worth, you know, it's, you know museum quality art. Um, the others, I mean, there's just certain diameters you just know what you can carve out of. Pelicans, bears, turtles. Sure. There's, I mean, there's all these certain cuts that are just easy. Specs. But then you get these great pieces of wood that are uh, big forks and just that give you lots of area to really be creative. You have one that you're either just finishing or almost finished that's a huge burled... Um, it's a mahogany root. Root. <laughs> a mahogany root. And actually we used the slabs from that same tree to build a bar for a, uh, a good client of mine, Joe McDermott. And uh, it's going to be a nice piece when we're finished. Did it speak to you when you saw it? No. I sold it before I, I had the idea and then I talked Joe into buying it. And then I've been stuck having to carve it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and what is this piece going to be? The main, the big neural. Well, it was a. It started off. It was going to be like an octopocalypto thing, where it's just octopus after octopus is rolling up over the sea and engulfing all of everything. And now it's more of a. Just, it's a, it's a cluster of fish and sea life. It's really elegant. And from all sides, like you'll have, a, you have the schooling fish that are emerging on the what I would consider the back side, but the front side where the octopus right. is the feature, you know, it gives a whole never another look. Oh and yeah. Is it, it evolved as you've worked on it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's um, sometimes you know, it's, it's one of those pieces that I, you have to look at and step away from, and when I see something carved that area, and then step away. I mean, it's something I've worked on over probably eight months now, wow. off and on. But I mean, also have my business and my sure. everything else I have to do, so I'm doing 10 other things at the same time. Sure, sure. And is it almost done? Yeah, we deliver it uh, next week. Wow. Yeah, you might want to talk to Joe. That would be a fun... Uh, it would be, and I'll love to go see it once it's hung. Yeah, yeah once you have it in place. Well, there's going to be a, an L-shaped bar on one side on top of five wine barrels that are all have themes carved in them and doors cut in them because there's lots of storage in them. And then it'll be a high top on the other side. That's cool. So in addition to just um, sculptural pieces, you also carve functional yeah, pieces. Yeah, a lot of functional art. You know, doors, me, I mean, everything. Give me some. I don't know. The only limitation would be your imagination. We carve everything. So I've seen some bar tops, tables. Bar tops, tables, sculpture, you know, turned into uh, structural things like beams, um, newels, uh, Sure, you could Big do tables, everything. headboards, everything. What are the balances, uh, sure. vanities? Gotcha. Um, Endless. Yeah, the, the only limitation really is the client's pocketbook. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, types of wood? Is there a certain type of wood you like to carve in, or some types that are better than others? It all depends on the application. I like, you know, down here we have a lot of mahogany and Jamaican dogwood. I really like those woods. Super hard. Um, up in the Vero Beach area, uh, used. Uh, what we call silver cedar, that little secret spot up there where there's lots of that. But uh, it's really not in the Vero Beach area. But <laughs> I hear you. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, no, there's no particular wood. It's more of a what it's gonna, where's it going, and what's the purpose of it, and then we can get the correct thing in there. Gotcha. 
Well, how did you wind up here? This is such a, a cool spot, like uh, well, lots of room, and it doesn't look like there's anybody around for you to bother, so. No, I love it out here. It's kind of like country in the keys, kind of. Yeah. Um, I was in all, I, came, I moved down from uh, Vero Beach to Isla Morada. I was when? there, uh, I don't know the years, like 12 years ago. Sure. And then I, I was in Isla Morada for 10 years. I moved four times while I was in Isla Morada because of the, uh, just, um, Politics and, sure. and uh, people, uh, good stuff. Uh, did a lot there, but um, I mean, how did I get here? Oh, I moved my shop to uh, Alamada. Kind of outpriced me with their uh, with the rents, and they're just ridiculous. And um, rents, and then them not the renters not or the owners not obligated, you know, doing what they need to do to fix up places, and sure. they just want you to pay, and they don't want to do anything. So anyway, um. Ran into a lot of that. I ended up moving to the Redlands uh, on uh, Chrome Avenue. So anyway, I moved to the Redlands and uh, went to work making stuff there, and it was a really good, a good thing going. But the owner was uh, had other things in mind. I went to the Puerto Rico to do a, a carving in the plaza in Aguadilla. The mayor there, Mayor Mendez, and uh, when I came back, you know. A significant amount of my slabs and everything were missing so the guy ended up stealing my entire shop and so he freed me up to be able to travel and so me and my girlfriend uh, she's a school school teacher she took a year off and we went traveling and doing shows with Bass Pro all through upstate New York because my attorney suggested it was a good time to get out of town for a little while <laughs> but anyway so the guy he did me a favor he stole everything I owned, and then he, but he also freed me up to go do other things. What did you do for Bass Pro? Uh, we were doing uh, demonstrations and shows in their in their uh, in front of their stores for like three weeks at a time in front of each store. We were in Al Auburn, Albany, uh, uh, Old Forge, which there's no Bass Pro in Old Forge, but we went up there and we did a show there. And then we went to Hookset, New Hampshire. We're there for several months through Boston, and then. Um, up into York, Maine, which there's no Bass Pro there, but we set up on a nice shop there. Cool. Then, how did you wind up here? Well, of course, the storm came. I had, I had, what I had left from environmental surroundings, or from my move to the Redlands, I had, I had some artwork left, and I, um, I took that to, I can't remember the name of the place, but down in uh, Big Pine. It's not Big Pine though. It's um, Mako Street. You know, mm, Mako Street. Ramrod Key. Ramrod. Yeah, yeah. I moved down to Ramrod. And I set up a shop there, and then I just made a bunch of stuff, and I left stuff with the owners there, and we, we left and traveled. Mm -hmm. So the storm hit, of course, all that got destroyed. Sure. And uh, when I, I came back here with just my, I left my fifth wheel in Vero, you know, after traveling, that's what we use for our shows. And I came down with my flatbed and my toolbox, and I found this location. There was a big pile of logs next door where they're doing hurricane stuff. And I talked to the owner here and made a deal with him that I would clean up the property with heavy equipment and uh, start carving and it's, it's worked out and we're we're still here two years later it's a great location that's awesome and i like the fact that it's so visible like i think it's a great place like your marketing and advertising it's just happening for itself well it is it's all visual i mean and there's good visibility here and we do uh, do large pieces so they really turn heads yep um Let's talk about what it's like to be an artist in the Keys. First of all, being an artist and making a living as one is difficult. So does doing it here in the Keys make it even harder or easier? 
Well, it's all lo it's location, 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 and who you're involved with. And the best thing to, to do to be if you're an independent artist in the Keys is not be involved with anybody <laughs> and just <laughs> do and, your thing and do your thing and have your spot, you know? Yeah. Because there's it's a lot of opportunities here, and it's a uh, it can be tough. Um, you know, and, and it's expensive to live here, yeah. and uh, housing's always a an issue. an issue. So I tell basically, if you're an artist moving to the Keys, prepare to be homeless, and <laughs> you know, and good luck, and go for it. Yeah. And you can make it. You just got to be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get there, unless you already have money. <laughs> <laughs> what have been some key um, things that have helped you stay afloat through storms and other? problems like what has helped you stay at it and stay successful um just the, the fact that i'm i'm really good at it and it's i enjoy it most of the time and uh i'm really good at it sounds like confidence doesn't hurt <laughs> no confidence is you know full of confidence <laughs> yeah um everyone's a home run yeah how did you discover that it was your passion like was it instant Pretty much. I mean, I saw the guy doing it. I was like, man, I can do that. And I went and I started doing it. Um, I made one phone call to a tree company and they brought me like a semi load of wood and dumped it right in my front yard in my neighborhood, which my wife at the time wasn't very happy about that. But, and uh, I carved it all right in the front yard of the neighborhood to put up with me. Everybody got a piece and uh, that's where we began. I actually carved every day after work for three months and I found a place I, mean, I was tying steel and building, you know, doing concrete form work and just horrible, horrible labor. Um, I left like a week before Christmas. I had carved three months, it just happened to be three months before Christmas. So I, I carved, I don't know how many pieces, I can't remember exactly, but maybe close to a hundred pieces. And they were all my first pieces. And I found a place called the Wildcat Bait Shop up on A1A in Melbourne. And I cut a deal with the owner, uh, you know, I, I said I'd give him 10% of what I sell for one parking space out front. And I pulled, I went up there with like an old station wagon and everything sticking out of it and put everything all over it. And I sold everything I had made and made, I probably left with like $7,500 and I've been doing this full time ever since. So Mike, did finding your passion for carving and for sculpture, did it save you and provide you with a, another path in life? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing, I mean, today it doesn't suck. It hasn't been easy. It's, you know, I'm over 20 years in this, but uh, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And and there's nothing else that I know that would, uh, can provide me with the ability to do what I want to do. You know. Where were you in life at the moment that you realized, hey, this carving could be a thing for me? Oh, big dark gray area. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was kind of where I was. And what did this do? Like, tell me about how it walked you out. Well, you know, number one, it gave me, a, I could go home and not spend any time inside my house <laughs> because of the situation I was in. So sure. I put lots of time out into that. And it was just something that I understood and believed in. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I started off kind of good. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, you put a lot of hours in. Yeah, a lot to, of hours. So, and I still do. I'm still daylight to dark. Is it's that what it takes to run any business? And is that what you would tell someone who wants to make a living out of art? I would tell them prepare to be homeless <laughs> <laughs> and work, you know, all day. Yeah. <laughs> Live at your shop and build it if you have nothing, but you can do it.
What do you think differentiates your work from other carvers? How can I know an Ashcraft? Um, if you stick around for a minute, you'll know my artwork from my others' artworks. I'm, I'm self-taught. My, my style is my style. Give me a few things that... I could, I don't even know. If you, if you see something and you, the first words out of your mouth or that's off the chain, well, you're probably one of my pieces. Mike, I'm constantly thinking about um, artists that are starting out. How did you get the business part of your business under control? And what kind of advice would you give somebody who is starting out about how to protect and take care of the business side? That is probably the most important thing that never gets really done until you're you know, being successful. Or maybe having been burned once. Yeah, well, I mean, if you, yes. <laughs> um, you know, my advice would be keep a, a journal uh, and have contracts for everything. You know, as a, you know, a commissioned artist or something like that. But the best way to do it is just make the stuff, finish it, and sell it instead of doing commissions. How do you set prices? I look at it and price it. Put a value on it. I mean, if there's, you could spend a lot, four hours on something, it could be worth $10,000. You could spend 30 hours on something, it could be worth $75. You know, it's, it's, um, Each piece is unique. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Mike. This has been totally interesting to me. I uh, know so little about wood carving, and it's just been a pleasure to, to learn about it and uh, to get so, to spend some time with you today. So thank you. If you want to get your information about the Florida Keys straight from the locals who live here and the ones who love it here, we've got you covered. Visit 43keys.com as your source for everything Florida Keys. Sign up for our newsletter and you'll always be up to date on all the Keysy stuff that's going on down here. Go to 43keys.com. That's the number four, the number three, keys.com and sign up today. Thank you.